What's up, everyone? I am Kyle Schudick, and welcome to the Stay in the Fight podcast. I am so grateful to have you listening with me today. This podcast is an in-the-field approach to connect you to the stories and experiences of people who are or have had to overcome their battles, those who have chosen to stay in the fight. You're going to hear of resilience, perseverance, and persistence that hopefully relates and resonates with you to show you that you are not alone in your thoughts and feelings and experiences. Our aim is for you to extract a lesson, strategy, or tactic that you can integrate right now so that when things feel too overwhelming, you too can stay in the fight. Welcome Tony Watley to the Stay in the Fight podcast. We, Mr. 365 Driven, the side hustle millionaire, uh, a great inspiration to be who's actually local in my community, man. So welcome on to the podcast. Hey, Kyle. Good to be on your show, man. I'm glad you finally got the thing kicked <laughs> off and I've been just kind of giving you the little side jabs for a while to get going. But dude, I'm proud of you, man. You're doing this thing. I uh, appreciate it, man. I, like I said, when I, when I first said this is going to come out, I put people who were of inspiration and you and, uh, you know, one of my first guests, Chip Baker, like you two were pretty much like kind of driving forces and a couple other people uh, who actually were kind of just every once in a while saying, hey, what are you doing? Or maybe I could tell that like a post or a conversation was kind of aimed at that area. If you were watching what I was doing, not just you and some other people. And they're just like, come on, Kyle, you got, you got to get it going. So you're a huge inspiration, man, to a lot of people. You have a great community. You, uh, 365 driven uh, entrepreneurs, which, which is the main one. Yeah, I know you have two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in both. Uh, and, you know, you do a lot of things in promoting, you know, the business that you have now and, you know, all the growth that you have made. But one thing that really stuck out to me and, you know, was you had this, this post, right, on Facebook. And it was the most raw and authentic thing I've, I've seen from you. I'm not to say that anything else isn't raw and authentic, but the most, right? Like all of a sudden, you know, it's where you can put yourself in those shoes because you've been there. And it was 19 years ago, I say, was it? Yes, was, actually, almost 20 years ago, almost, yes. Oh, golly. Only, only because that's the stage of my son, so it's easy to remember the math. <laughs> he was one, I was one, yeah. Um, <laughs> I measure a lot of my progress by the age of my kids. Too. There you go, there you six, go. Uh, five and six. And, but, you know, it was talking about how you were kind of just down and how everything was, was coming down on you. And, uh, you know, and then some of the stuff you talk about now, which was like maybe only two years ago, you started really coming out of a shell, even though you've been successful entrepreneur, uh, doing a side hustle, being the side hustle millionaire, you know, it wasn't until then. And so what really intrigues me about that when I talk to people like that is like how long those transformations it takes for them to happen. You know, you could be in that for so long. And we just had another conversation about this yesterday uh, with another guest. And I'm really interested in that aspect because what we are about and stay in a fight is giving people the, the tools, tips, and resources. One thing that they can take from your story to say, maybe I can Im- implement this, but sometimes they don't feel connected, right? Because we all feel like we're alone. But like I just said, that, that connected with me because I'm very familiar with that. So I'd love to be able to go back into that. But first, if you could, before we go back into that, just give us a quick rundown of what you're, uh, what you're accomplishing right now, you know, what really occupies your time and what are the interests um, so we can kind of get to know you for a second and then we're going to dive really deep as fast as possible. Well, I guess I became known as the Side Hustle Millionaire in May of 2018 when my book came out and it's a book on how to start a business is to take your business ideas, especially if you're a busy professional because a lot of people want to create side businesses and that's what I've done for the last 20 years since 2001 when I started my first side business and that thing scaled to make millions of dollars in profit. And that was the thing that I just kind of kept in the background. And here's the thing is I kept that corporate career working in oil and gas, project management, engineering for the last 20 years. And I, even though I was making more sometimes on the side businesses, I just really kept the career because it was a sunk cost fallacy because I put myself through college and I put all the time in and who am I to walk away with from 20 years of experience. So if you've got listeners like hearing this and you're 
you got those same excuses, you really need to start challenging your beliefs because man, what holds you back is not usually the bad things in life. What holds you back is usually the good and comfortable things in life. <laughs> and people are not willing to trade good and comfortable for great and excellent. And that's the thing that mm. most people don't realize. They get this comfortable life, comfortable salary, some somewhat happy relationships, good kids. And they're like, oh, this is great. But then they know that there's something missing. So I teach people how to start those first businesses and scale them and sell them possibly. And that's what I do. So I wrote the book. Signed Hustle Millionaire is the title. That is how, how people introduce me because that is my story. And it's like, you know, I don't know, other than my other business partner, I don't, I don't know very many people that made millions of dollars as a hobby, you know, as a right. part-time business you know, that was, with, zero, with zero employees. That was so intriguing, man. Like, so I heard you talk last year, right? We were at the, uh, the Kareem's event. And like when I heard the story, because I've heard of you before, right? Because the book had come out and it kind of popped up in my communities. And then uh, interesting fact was that, don't take any offense to this because I just get a read on people and I'm like, who's this guy who's like, oh, I'm just a side hustle millionaire. And then like when I heard you talk, right? Then I was like, oh shit. Like this, like you were in a career because you were talking a little bit about the career. Like I was doing this, but I had this thing on the side, but it was almost, it almost felt like a conflict. Like to me, like when I looked at it, it as like, I have this thing over here, you know, should I, should I run at it? Should I go, go at it? You know, cause I have this career over here. Now I've been unfortunately, uh, or I would say fortunately blessed to been like open the oil field twice in a row. So mm -hmm. I, that was my kicker. I was just like, I'm done. Like I'm not going back. Um, uh, but you know, you had 20 years, right? 20 years in that. And so, uh, you know, a post from like 19 years ago, is that like really kind of when, when it, when it started, I'm really, uh, cause we haven't ever dug into that. Like when those kind of feelings and emotions and everything started to come up, you know, of like, Oh, is this as long as I'm going to go, even though I have the side thing over here, do I really need to commit to this, this life? You know, it almost seems like living these like two lives. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that's really what, you know, what I want to dig into because a lot of people are stuck into that, um, zone of, you know, uh, some call it comfortable. I call it familiarly uncomfortable because you're just, it's nagging at you. So man, take us through that for a minute. So the main thing is that I've always been an entrepreneur, even since I was a kid, I was always the, the kid knocking doors, mowing yards. I was the one buying candy wholesale in boxes and putting them in <laughs> Ziploc bags and splitting those out. It was, a, you know, whatever it was, I was always trying to figure out how to make money because I didn't have money. My parents were both blue collar their entire lives. My mom worked in the public school systems as a cafeteria lady serving children. My dad was a U.S. Marine, gunning wow. sergeant, served in Vietnam. And after he got back, he got out and got into the oil field himself. And he worked his way up from being just a laborer all the way to a plant manager on the service side. So my parents worked extremely hard. We didn't have any money. We grew up lower middle class and actually yeah. one of the worst neighborhoods in our small community of Friendswood. Good community, but we were literally the old houses that were all fixer-uppers. Every house I ever grew up in was a fixer-upper. We would just fix them up for a period of years and sell them. So kind of gives you an idea where my background was. And my parents told me that if I wanted to achieve anything, if I wanted anything in my life, that I had to go out there and get it for myself. Yeah, Nobody was going to hand anything to me. You had to go work hard, do these things. Luckily, I had two very disciplinary parents. I mean, growing up with a gunny, I mean, come on. <laughs> then my mom know. being, you know, she's a Japanese immigrant. She valued education more than anything because women in her era were plucked from the schools after junior high to go work in the farms. So she valued education because she didn't have the privilege to go do that. Mm. And dude, Kyle, I did not miss a single day of school from kindergarten through God. graduation. Did wow. not miss one day of school. Man. It's like, if, if you're not fucking dead, you're getting on the bus. <laughs> so that's how, I, that's the disciplinarian that I had, the two parents. So I had the parent, the dad with the physical disciplinarian and just doing things the right way and being ethical and the core values of the Marines. And then my mom was the disciplinarian on education and just showing up and treating people with kindness. So that was a combination that really spurred me to do things. But here's the thing is I go to college. Well, actually my, my dad was like, parents were like, Hey, do you want to go to college? I was like, yeah. I was like, they're like, get a fucking job or join the military. <laughs> and so I was like, I okay. <laughs> so, you know, back then Top Gun was the thing and I wanted yeah. to go be a fighter pilot because I'm the right size and I knew I could do the, the, the mental capacities and I love speed. I'm an adrenaline junkie, car fanatic. And I said, okay, I'm going to go be a fighter pilot. And so I was about to actually join the Navy or the Air Force to go see which way I had the better route to go do that. And then honestly, the last minute, my dad was like, you don't have to join the military for money. Like, he's like, he's like, I don't want you to do this just because of the college thing, like just for the money. Yeah. And he kind of really 
put that seed in him. He goes, he goes, son, you know, I, you know, Vietnam was a bad era and you, you guys know the stories that like those guys came back, the soldiers came back and they weren't welcomed back. And he, he just, he just remembered being in the Marines was one of the best things of his life. And also one of the worst things of his life. Cause while he was in, they led him to believe like, we're the only ones that love you. The rest of the world hates you. So stay in. Right. So oh, he man. stayed in a little longer because of that. But he realized that once he got out and was able to put his foundation down and raise the family and do the things and go through the corporate job, he, he understood that there was actually another side to that. Right. Oh. It was like, he felt like they kind of lied to him when he was in. So he's like, I don't want you to go into that and feel that. So he goes, just, if you can get a job, do that. If not just join the military, like you have both options. So here I am. I said, okay, I'm going to go to school. And dude, I, I had to pay for it. Engineering school is not cheap. No. It took me seven years. So I worked in the chemical plants just like he did. He found me a laborer job and I worked in, you know, they figured out I can do math pretty well. So I became a pipe fitter and then I was doing structural welding and whatever I could. So I was out there working in the sun here in Houston area, 12 hours a day. And then I would go to school at night, taking one or two classes at a time. It took me seven years, Kyle, to, get, to, get, to graduate. <laughs> so I graduated at age 27 with an engineering degree, but here's the thing is like during that I was broke. I was stressed out. My grades were suffering. I was sleep deprived. I was sleeping about four hours a night. So that literal 24 seven hustle and grind, that's all popular. Now I lived that for seven years, dude. And yeah, man. And even on the weekends, I would go wait tables at night. And you know, so it was like, I was always working like just all the time. And that's the only way I could afford things. And when I finally graduated and I get this entry level engineering degree, engineering job, it felt like a part-time job. So 40 yeah. hours a week suddenly felt like this is like too easy. I'm like, I'm sitting on the couch at four 30 in the afternoon. Like, what is this? This is kind of weird. And most people would tap out at that point. Like, well, I got a degree, I got a career. And it's like, yeah, I looked at myself in the mirror. It's like, well, Tony, do you have the life that you really want? Do you have the, the life that you desire? And the, and the answer is no. Yeah. So what am I going to do? So most people would be like, well, I'm just going to flip on the TV or be like any other single man in his twenties and go to the bar and, and I did that. I had fun. And I was like, well, this isn't getting me where I want to go. So I started working extra jobs, dude. So I got this engineering career. I'd get home and then I would go back and work in the restaurants every single fucking night of the week Man. to make another extra hundred bucks. Sometimes the people that worked with me at the engineering job would come in, they'd see me waiting tables and they're like, dude, you're working like you got an engineering job. It's like, I know, but I'm not where I want to be in life. Mm. And I can sit my ass on the couch and make excuses where I can actually yeah. go do something to get ahead. So that's what I did. And then on Saturday mornings, I would go work at a speed shop and work on cars and fix cars. Yeah. So I literally took that same 24 seven hustle and grind and applied that to after college and still did this. So that, that wasn't the, the way to do things. I mean, that's the, the mindset I grew up with. When you, yeah. when you grow up with an employee middle-class mindset, it's that you got to go trade your hours for dollars. You got to go think about, get a second job, get a part-time job, go do this thing. It's always about working extra hours, pick up extra shifts, whatever that is. And that's how you're raised. It is. Then you start to, to get into the entrepreneur mindset and you realize that there's no relationship between time and money. And that's the big discovery that most people have yet to discover you can still do things now, creating these side businesses where you earn money while you sleep, while you're on vacation. I'm earning money while you and I are talking right now, and I'm not actually having to physically do something. So it's, these are the things that most people understand. But the, that, that kind of led up to where I did a little bit of partying. I was DJing in a busy, busy bar here in the Houston area. Bar Houston, if you remember that one. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I got a girl pregnant, and she was a girl that I would just party with, and it wasn't someone I was actually in a, in a, in a strong relationship with. And we tried to do the right thing, dude. We, we moved in together, and we tried to make this work, but our, our personalities were just such a conflict that we were unhappy, both of us. So I lived with her through her pregnancy and, and about the first eight months after my son was born, and that was actually one of the worst times of my life because – I already thought that I struggled and I made it through and I started to see the sunshine when I graduated. Right. And I was like, okay, my life's on track. Everything's going according to plan. And I'm, I'm seeing the future. Then this thing happens. That was unplanned. I don't have any regrets by, you know, my son, I love him to death. He's still in Houston area and we're, we're, we're close. But at that moment, that was something that I did not plan that occurred in my life. Mm. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, you know, we try to make things work. We try to do the right thing. And, you know, we're, we're basically trying to live what, what society has dictated that we should do. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, that was like a very depressing time for both of us. And that was the, 
that's the story I like to share. Like, you know, when we get into that, but yeah, dude, dude, it was like, it was a very low point in my life, still the low point of my life. So that's, that's the thing is, so we talk about, you know, a lot of this goes into transitions of life. Like when I, when I talk about to like to stay in a fight, like transitions are the hardest things for me, uh, becoming a parent, right? Even my wife and I are still together. I've been married for 10, just 10 years this year. Uh, I've got two beautiful children, but however, becoming a father and it wasn't even the same story, but that is like, it's just a new thing. Even though we planned it. I mean, we're like, we're going to have kids now, now that I'm done deploying, you know, and I, I, I get it. It's just, it's difficult. And then, you know, so all these transitions just, they, they almost bring in this, what I call my, the feeling that I, I like to put it is like resignation almost. You're like, where am I at? What am I doing? Is this all I'm going to be? And you like this period of reevaluation. Right. And it's for me, that's, that's how I like to interpret it. And I hear, I hear that a lot of times, especially from men who are like, I just became a dad or this is when I became a dad. And all of a sudden you're just like, okay, <laughs> what's going on. And from the situation that you just described, you know, with somebody you said you, you weren't married to at the time, or did you guys get married? No, uh, no, but you tried to work as a, as a cohesive unit, mm -hmm. but just doesn't seem like you said things had worked out and that became a very low point in your life. Uh, certainly not regretting having a kid because they're, they're probably the most, like yeah. for me, that's the most precious thing I've ever had uh, ever. It's the biggest blessing. Yeah. However, it's what just kind of happens with all of that because you've got to pay your attention now somewhere else you think right? You think you can't live anymore, uh, the life that you are, you know, envisioned. So I really want to hear about that. Cause you said that's a low point and that is like where people get stuck and it doesn't just have to be about kids, but, uh, in having that, but if that's part of the story, I definitely love to get into that, man. Cause that is, how do we get from that stuck point of what's going on and what does that feel like? Um, yeah. And yeah. So, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a basically the, it was like, it was like all these storms hit at the same time. So mm. the year was 1999, 2000, my son was born in 2000 and there was an oil downturn. So I got laid off and I didn't have a job. So I'm, I'm having to work as many like extra waiting shifts while I'm hunting for jobs, stressed out. The relationship itself was a very, very just depressing thing for me. And we just, you know, the, the main thing is like just the, the lack of respect. I grew up in a very respectful household and yeah. I don't tolerate people just talking shit like nonstop. And that's what it was <laughs> really. It. So, so here I'm like working my ass off to pay for bills. I'd come home and there was arguments like every night. Like, yeah. This is, this is not what I grew up with. Like I'm a very respectful person. And, and so the thing is, is like here I'm, I'm working three, four jobs, odd jobs. I've got friends trying to help me out, just throwing me stuff to do. And I'm in a relationship that I feel like I'm trapped in that I'm not happy with. Cause I can remember one or two girlfriends that I had previously in my life that were much better relationships and actually in love with those people. And, you know, you always think about like, I can always go back and marry them. Like that. We always have those people we think about. And then you're, you're in this relationship with someone that you're not even in love with and you have a kid with them and like you're both broke and you're struggling. And, you know, we were driving all over Texas to try to find another job. I remember going wow. to do an interview at like Waxahachie, Texas, <laughs> really? Dallas, Man. just to try to get a job. There was no one hiring. And I and only had about two years of experience. There was like the lack of experience thing as well. So we had to live on credit cards. And dude, I was racking up. I was probably about thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 in debt wow. from living on credit cards, paying yeah. for her apartment and mine because they I couldn't break the lease. And then you know, I got a car note and then I'm paying for the child and all these medical expenses and all these different things. And, you know, and it was literally like the worst point in my life. And, and I illustrate this because people come to me all the time. They say, Hey, Tony, I want to start a company. And then they come up with me the fucking excuses about, I don't have time. I got a wife, I got kids, I got this job. And then I tell them my story. It's like, dude, I was like, I was unemployed having to pick up extra shifts at the hot, you know, at the, at the restaurants, work on cars. I was waxing cars. I was installing stereos. I was doing whatever I could just to make a few bucks. And I was in a relationship that I was not happy with. And I was really actually depressed because you know, you're depressed when you wake up every morning and you don't feel like doing whatever it is that day. Mm. And you just kind of go through the motions and then you show up and it's nighttime again. And you don't remember any of the details for that day. It's like, you're like yeah. a walking fucking zombie yeah. like every single day. That was me for a period of over a year. And I didn't realize I was in that funk. I, I kind of knew I was off, but I just kind of attributed it to all these negative things happening to my life. And I yeah. just, you know, I was just kind of digging my way out. And I felt like I was at this bottomless pit trying to look up and try to claw my way out of it. And the only way I knew how to survive that was just by going to work. I mean, that's the ethics that my parents got. You know, this what got me through college is okay. I have all this fucking debt and I don't have money, so I need to go work my ass off. So even when I finally 
did get another engineering job. It was a lower paying one because they were coming out of the downturn. Yeah. And so I was still waiting tables, dude. And I was still you know, working on cars. I was working on cars extra, extra hard and just doing things on the side and making more money. And the thing is, so I said, okay, I, I, this is killing me. I'm, I'm only sleeping like four or five hours a night and I'm trying to get out of this hole. What do I need to do? I started thinking about, man, I just need to start a business or just do something where I can make money work, you know, and, and scale my time. That's the thing. And so I launched my first company in 2001. You know, she and I split up. She didn't support my dreams. That's another thing I want to share with your listeners. Like yeah. if you're with somebody and they do not support your dreams, like you can't be with that person because they're going to limit what your growth is. Because, you know, for your listeners ideas, I, I built an online community for cars because I'm a car guy and I wanted to yeah. build this website for car guys just to hang out and talk about cars and racing and modifying their cars. So that was ls1tech.com. It grew into the largest General Motors performance website on the internet. We grew to over 300,000 members and we were making about 400,000 in a year in profit on this website about two years into Man. it. So you think about that is that I started that business in 2001 missed working three jobs, having a newborn son, a failed relationship, paying child support, two apartments I'm paying for, car note, stress, <laughs> buried in debt. And, and even after I started that business, two years into that business, I was still operating at the same level. I was still trying to dig my way out and still trying to work hard and still being the weekend dad. And just, you know, it was a lot of stress, but the thing is, is yeah. when people tell me like, well, I got kids and I'm, I'm married and I got a job and you know, I can't do this. Like that's fucking bullshit, dude. Mm. Because what it is, is it's your priorities are not yeah. in tune because when you start to say, when, here's the thing is most people blame their kids for their lack of potential. Oh, that's and that, so that fucking kills me. It's like, your kids need to see you chasing your dreams. Otherwise they're never going to believe you when you tell them go chase your dreams, kids. Yeah. Because if they see you settling in any aspect of life, they're going to grow up settling just like you because kids <laughs> oh, don't care about what this, no. kids don't care about what you say. They watch what you do, man. And if, you're, and if you're like, well, no. you know, your dad, uh, you know, I'd be a lot more successful if I didn't have your you guys. Mm. Like, you know how fucked up you're going to be fucking your kids up to tell them that kind of stuff. Cause they're going to so grow much. up thinking like, well, I, I can't be successful. I can't pay, pursue my dream because I have kids now and you're going to tell your, they're going to tell their kids that. And it's just like this, Never ending sequence. So if you don't fucking show them by example, the potential that you can chase and chase your dreams and be willing to take those risks and lose because that's going to inspire them. They're going to be proud of you. No matter what, if you take those risks and you lose, they're still going to remember that you took that risk. That is like, tried it. Oh man, that is, that's so true. Cause the past like couple years, I, I wasn't kind of in the same boat. I was going, uh, I was, I'm a glutton for punishment at the time, right? So I was going back. I was like, I just got to get back in the oil field because it's what you know, right? It's yeah. what you know. It's and money. It's money. And then I had a conversation with somebody and they're like, the money will always be there. Go get it. Like go whatever. And if it's, if you have to live on your base, if you're just living, you know, right at the break even point, go for it. And, uh, and so when my kids, like for me, for when they ask me, and I don't know if this ever happened with your son, it's like, I got a meeting today. Who are you going to meet? You know, somebody I can, you know, before this, I can put on a podcast or somebody I can get at least into my consulting while I'm doing consulting at the time. Uh, and so they don't, they, 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 they hear that, you know, oh, daddy, do you have a meeting today? Yeah. Who are you going to meet? And they're really interested, mm -hmm. you know, and what, what are you trying to do? And even at five and six, they're so inquisitive, right? Like, who are you going to meet? What friend, you know, and they remember everybody I bring them, bring them with, I'll bring them to, to a one-on-one. -on -one. I got, I got one today. Well, they're in school now, but you know, if I would have a one-on-one -on -one with somebody who I was interested in learning from or to try to generate business, you're so right. You know, they, they'll see that. And it's it's actually more quality time than you just in doing what I've done before saying, oh, I'm spending time with them but I'm resigning on the couch, you know, just like, Oh, we're here together. And they don't see you getting after it. They don't see you hustling. You know, they don't see you, you know, doing the thing that makes you happy because, uh, they, my interaction with them, I'll tell you this and tell me if this happened to you because I've, the more and more I say this, when I bring them into something like that and they see me just buzzing because it's what you're in, you know, you're, you're, your your happy place, whatever you call it. Mm, your zone of genius. Your zone yeah. of genius. Right. Like then my interactions with the kids are so much, uh, more in tune, you know, and it doesn't have to be, it's just us in the car. Maybe, you know, sit, well, we sing along to a lot of Disney songs. I'm not ashamed of it. I'll sing, let it go out loud as possible. I don't Dude, care. You know, they're going to remember that too. Exactly. So we do the, we do the silly stuff and then, you know, and sometimes we'll dip that back down at home cause we all kind of still deal with things, but then I just gotta, we gotta get back up and get into that. So did that ever, um, work into the life of your son? So when you decided to go out and do it, uh, 
you started the LS1 Tech. By the way, I had a bunch of friends who belonged to that when I was in high school. I'm very familiar with the website. I cost um, them were, a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were a bunch. Yeah. They, everybody had, I, I was the Mustang guy. Oops. Sorry. Hey, was, you know, you got, we all have flaws, man. We, we all, all have, have flaws. flaws. My, my buddy, my, one of my good friends uh, who's still in the Marine Corps, he calls it the Me Too. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, everybody in the Marine Corps drives a Mustang. And he goes, oh, you got a Mustang? Yeah, me too. So it's the Me Too car. <laughs> everybody oh. has one. It's <laughs> a true story, man. Um, but, you know, you see that. So how much do you, do you believe that when you were into that, even though you were going through this depressive point, uh, that that actually kind of maybe maybe give, gave a little bit more inspiration to your son? Like how, how much did that change, when, at least when you were working on that zone, you know, because you had the oil and gas job and you had the, you know, the side hustle you were working on. How much did you see that actually influenced like your interaction with your kid? Well, I mean, my, I think the car guy thing is a genetic thing. My son, <laughs> he, he likes cars, but he's not crazy like me. And even my, my dad and my grandfather were car guys, but I'm like the fanatic, like there's car guys and there's car fanatics. I'm a car You're fanatic. A fanatic. Yeah. So, so I, I understand that that's a little odd and I can't expect anybody to have that, but my son, watching me do business and, you know, living with the different mindsets because his mom's got a completely different mindset than I do. Mm. And I always just try to do the right thing, even if that's the hard thing. And most people try to take the easy way out in life. And he's got to see both perspectives of that. And he realizes like, you know, I was doing things the right way the entire time. Mm. There's a lot of times he resented me because I had rules. He lived with me for a while. Yeah. He went back to his mother and he's, he, he admits now, it's like, if I would have lived with you, I'd have had a much better life, much better education. I was like, exactly. You would have like, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. But the thing is, is kids don't like rules. Kids like people who treat them like their friend. Yeah. And you know, I, I get that, but he's seen me and you know, he's proud of me now and he's, he's seeing me. And it's funny because even when he was in high school, here's a funny story. He's like, one day his, his friends came up and they're like, Hey, is your dad named Tony? And they're in there. He's like, yeah, cause cause he's Anthony. So it's kind of, they, they put two and two together. They're like, man, we found your dad on Instagram. He's fucking cool. And <laughs> like, so, so they all like, what are always asking him about, you know, like what's your dad doing? Like, does he have all those cars? And like, you know, and he's like, dad, you know, so it's kind of funny for a high schooler cause they kind of get embarrassed when their parents are putting themselves out there, but you know, he's fun with it now, but it's, it's good stuff. And you know, the thing is that, going through that, it was, it was, it was important to just show that. And it's, mm. you know, building a company like that, I didn't build it for money. That's, and that's one thing I wanted to show people is like, people yeah. think that you start a company for money, but I actually just, I'm always a big believer in just creating value in this world. And I just literally wanted to build a place for my friends to hang out online. That wasn't like, that mm. was the purpose. And, and I remember my business partner, he's up in Chicago, his name's John. And, and John and I, we both had brand new cars at the time and he had a Camaro SS and I had a Trans Am and they were both like $500 a month for the car note. And I said, you know what would be cool is if we could just make $500 and, and we'd be like having a free car and we'd have this cool place to hang out. And so that's how I'm illustrating this because I want your listeners to understand that yeah. I used to think really fucking small and that, and that was normal because that's how I grew up. You know, I was still in that mindset of trading dollars an hour. I still had a full-time job. I can make it $500 extra a month. Like that'd be like having a free car and that'd be so cool. And dude, like within the first six months, we were probably making like 10,000 a month. And like, it's like, it's like, Whoa, this is like a real, real business. And we didn't start the LLC until like we started making probably a couple thousand a month extra. And we're like, okay, yeah. we're going to need to like do this the legit way and run this like a business. And that's, what, that's the testament of why we grew it because we started focusing on customer service and building this thing and staying ahead of the servers. When they started to lag, we didn't wait for them to lag. We got ahead yeah. of them and always upgraded. We always kept the software updated. We made sure to entice people to register by doing free giveaways, which we also feature sponsors who are advertising there as well. Man. So it was a win, win, win. And then we started doing later on, we started doing these racing events around country. So we would go to Los Angeles and we go to the New Jersey area and Chicago and wherever the hot spots where the car scenes were. So we started to build these micro communities around the country that would all lead back into our main brand name. So here we are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to fund these racing events, but we saw that as an investment in building the community, yeah. which is why we grew and grew and grew. And other, there was, dude, there was probably, a hundred other websites out there based on the same platforms, but we kicked the shit out of all of them because they didn't treat it like a business yeah. and they weren't focused on building the community. They, those guys were just trying to get into the money. You know, they thought, yeah. Oh, these guys are doing it. They just run a website, put some ads up and they're making you know, a lot of money. It's like, we could do that. No, you can't. 
it's a culture that you create and we would always remove the cancerous people. So you can imagine a website full of car guys and, and occasional Mustang dudes like you that visit, <laughs> that come talk trash. It's yes, like a, a lot yes, of bravado, yes. a lot of car guys. There's a lot of ego, a lot of bravado, but we didn't tolerate negativity and like you know, yeah. physical threats and like talking shit. So if you wanted to benefit from our community, you had to play nice and like, just be respectful. You can argue and disagree, but don't be an asshole and like, and don't make yeah. physical threats. That's so, so those people would get rid of. So what we do is we created a really safe place for people to want to engage and participate mm. because they weren't going to get like trolled or like made fun of. Yeah. So that increases the engagement of your community. So I still do that with my Facebook group. You do. The same principles, Absolutely. dude, you get rid of cancer in your, in your groups. Otherwise they bring the entire community down. Oh, it's so it's so true, you know, because that's that's one of the focuses I I'm, I'm I've now shifted to once this goes is the same community thing. And how can you provide something where people like like you could come in and actually provide some of the some of the value to that and bringing that in to, to a community, um, you know, and starting in and, and what I realized is that every community that I belong to, the ones that are guarded, right, and the ones that are that keep that same set of values up front are going to be the best things for you. And it's funny to see. So you started in 2001, creating that community, 2001, right? Yeah. Yep. In 2001, creating that community uh, in a culture within that community, how important that actually just is for, for, for people to get involved. And so um, not only did you create it, you know, something that people and create it for a business, but I'm sure it's a place that you could go in and engage and say, ah, this is where I belong. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the biggest thing that, that I, I, I tell so many people get involved in a community. It doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's the LS1 tech website, the, you know, a Facebook group or, you know, a, a group maybe that meets once a week or once a month in, in, you know, outside of the networking that just gets together that can support one another and the things that they enjoy or the things that, you know, are going to propel them forward. Community is so important. And so it almost feels like, you know, if I, if I said, if I said that, that, you know, you, you, you and your buddy, uh, your business partner, you know, created something that you wanted to belong to. It wasn't just like, I'm going to create this community and blow it up for the cash because you said that wasn't the deal. This is just one place where I feel that I could go in and be me. And it just so happened to just start to generate um, revenue <laughs> rapidly, yeah. you know, and but that importance, that that community importance is so important to for me, for growth, for for being able to expand conversation, to be able to meet other like-minded people, whether it's car people or people who are chasing growth out of, you know, uh, personal professional development, how important those things are. So how long did you stay engaged into that group? And what did you see on a personal level that you got out of it? I really enjoyed the starting of a business because here I was in my late twenties when I started at age 28 and, and yeah. in my corporate career, I was not getting a lot of authority type roles at that experience level. I was not being really that creative because I was project engineer mm. and I was just, I was craving outlets for creativity, authority, leadership. And, and I wasn't those people when I started this thing. So I started to look for external things. And that's one of the things most people start side businesses for is because they're not getting that at their normal job and they're not getting the lifestyle. And here's the way to really think about this. It's like, if you're listening to this, take a look at your boss right now. If you have a job, look at your boss and you may even look at his boss or her boss mm -hmm. and ask yourself a real honest question. Do either of those people have the actual lifestyle that you, you dream about? Like not that you, not that you would accept, but do you dream about having their mm -hmm. lifestyle? And I started seeing this in my corporate career, even through the entire corporate career, because I was always earning more than every boss I've fucking had since the last 20 years. <laughs> and, and so I started to think about that later and when I was in my 40s. I was like, why am I hanging around? Why am I working so fucking hard? I was working international projects, flying out of the country every month, working in Africa and mm. Europe and just everywhere. I was always gone. And that kind of like helped you know, keep me away from my family. And I didn't like that at all. And it was always on call 24-7. So... I look at the people who are essentially sitting in the seats that you would get promoted into and they go, do they have the lifestyle that I dream about? And the answer is fucking no. So why am I working so hard to have something that they can't provide me? Mm. Why am I building someone else's brand, someone else's company, making them millions of dollars, doing something to maybe get an attaboy and maybe get that promotion in five years, yeah. maybe get that next promotion in 10 years. So I started to see being, things be, become very aware. So I've seen people get hired in as a CEO, like when they're 60 years old. And you and I both know that that's just kind of a, you paid your dues and yeah. you know, here's your Here reward at the yeah. end of the, yeah. the golden years of your career. So you know that those people retire 63 on an early retirement. They don't have 
any time in that office to actually affect any change. They're just going through the motions. And when you make that CEO level at some of the companies I worked at, it's because you were basically indoctrinated and you weren't going to change anything. Yeah. You basically were like the king indoctrinated dude. So I was like, well, I don't, that doesn't work for me. Cause like, you know, here you got CEOs making, you know, some companies, smaller companies making 300 a year, you know, and maybe some perks, free car, whatever corner office. Like, dude, I was making that in my twenties. Like, why am I working so hard to have that? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a perspective shift. You're like, well, I just need to go, go fucking do what I want to do. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy though, that it, it that it actually kind of took that long. And, and the one thing I, to, that you were still hustling on the side hustle. I love that. I just, I love the, I love the term because it's like, that's your like persona, right? The side mm -hmm. hustle millionaire, but you still stayed in this job, right? In which, uh, and some people will do that. You know, they'll have this thing maybe going on the side that possibly could be going because it doesn't necessarily mean they have to generate the revenue, but this thing on the side, they're, they're not paying even more attention to um, that they could maybe turn into something fruitful that, and they're still over years, right? In this position and they have this conflict, right? Yeah. Between, you know, how long, does it take me to get from here to just saying, you know what, I'm going to lay everything down. I'm going to just say, I'm going to go at this full time or, you know, I'm going to get out of this job and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a hustle. Maybe they go into another company that just aligns with them. You know, I'm always telling people, find something that aligns with you. If it's another company, cool. Some people don't want to build a brand, but they, they have a brand as you've talked about. It doesn't matter where you are. You are your own brand, whether you work for a company or you have your company. And I love that aspect. Um, and two, like how many people just sit here and look and just be miserable, but yet the possibility is just sitting over here, right? The, 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 the opportunities are sitting here and how long it takes people to finally just say, I've had enough. And it seems to me that, you know, while you were being successful on this side and you did have a successful career in the corporate world, it still took you quite a long time to just say, okay, I'm going to let this one go and we're just going to focus over here. And so what I'm really getting at is the the point of transformation, right? The point of just getting there that is the time relative. Like, do you have to necessarily set a time for you to do that? Or, you know, when you're ready. The answer to my question on that specifically is that I, I think you have to be willing to do what it takes. Like you, you heard me early about working three yeah. jobs because I didn't have the lifestyle I wanted. Well, I didn't have the lifestyle I wanted. And I also built companies that only took less than an hour of my time per day. So oh, I wasn't going to basically take, the money I was making and sit on my ass for like the mm -hmm. next eight hours a day. Cause I'm very productive and I like to be creative. So if I can essentially double my income and, and still have both, um, that's why I did it. So yeah. for 20 years I could go work eight hours a day and I could come home and, and mess around for an hour on the internet and still make double the money. So that financial it makes financial sense. And I was building the lifestyle that I want and that's what I have. But the thing is before that I didn't have that. And when you get in your 40 milestone, there was, a, I was in a major car accident. That was another down point. That oh, was man. actually an awakening. So about four years ago, I was in a major car accident because I, I race cars and I do a lot of test driving for different shops and manufacturers because they know that they can throw me the keys and I can usually go get the best times or lap times or drag race times out of them. And, and I wrecked the car and I hit a wall at 130 miles per hour. Oh, and I, I remember wow. as I was approaching that wall and I gave an award-winning speech, actually, I won a couple of Toastmasters competitions with the speech, but I, it was a it was a weird moment because when the car started getting out of control, I had a little bit of a fear, but I'd already been in that situation many times in my life, so I could, thought I could recover. So there's a little bit of a fear and a drilling rush thing, and, it, and then it kind of grazes the wall on the right mm -hmm. side of the it was drag racing. And and I, and I remember that fear got replaced with anger because I damaged somebody else's car in that moment. That's all I could think about. Yeah. So I was pissed at myself for damaging someone else's car. And then... I said, I started to slow down. And when I came off that wall, what happened was there was a suspension in the back of the car was broken and the wheel kicked out kind of like a pushing a shopping cart backwards. It kind of yeah. steering with the back wheel. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like I'm not in control anymore. And so I'm approaching the wall on the other lane. Now it made a hard, it made a hard left. I'm approaching that wall at 130 miles per hour and I'm in a sports car. And I'm like, dude, this is not good. This is yeah. not good odds. And, and I remember Man. in that moment thinking that I'm about to die. Like literally like I'm about to die. And I remember just, I remember muttering to myself, well, here I go. And then the weirdest thing happened is that all that was like milliseconds because the speeds I was traveling, that moment felt like an eternity. And it also, I was very peaceful. So you, you went from fear and, and adrenaline to anger to peacefulness, like within seconds. 
And I just remember thinking like, I had no regrets in my life. I've been trying to do everything I could. And, and there was no life flashing before my eyes and things like you talked about like that. Yeah. I, I just remember going, well, here I go. Mm. And then, you know, and I impacted and then of course I survived, you know, shocker, spoiler alert, I survived. <laughs> no way. But I just, no you don't know, you don't know the level of injury that you're yeah. in. You just had this impact and, you know, and I just remember the car sliding and it was dark because it was late at night and I was on the end of the track where you shut down. And so there's no lights of yeah. the interior lights were flashing. And then there was a lot of powder from the airbags deploying and then it's like smoky. And I just remember like being hyper-focused and holding the steering wheel going, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, mm. stay awake, stay awake. Yeah. Because most people in those accidents die either from the impact or from fire. And it's because they pass out or they're knocked out and the fire consumes them. So I understand like, I need to stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. And, and the car was sliding and, you know, that speed. And I, it felt like forever. Finally come to the rest. And I, I pried the door open and basically got out and I was fine. I had no injuries, you know, other than soreness for the next couple of weeks. But, yeah. you know, I had my safety gear on and the car was demolished. The entire front of the car was caved into the windshield. There was wheels Jeez. off the car, fluids everywhere. I'm surprised no fire took off. But yeah, the paramedics, you know, showed up because they always have an ambulance on the, on the premises. And, you know, she, she pulled me in and took my shirt off and she was looking for like any kind of internal damage and like feeling me around. And, and she just made this comment. She goes, you are remarkably calm for someone who just had a major accident. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she goes, accidents happen out here all the time. And, and usually their heart rates are completely like jacked because of the adrenaline. And dude, I was like the most peaceful I've ever felt in my life, like just yeah. solitude and yeah. just chill. And I had all this clarity and I, I was thinking, I started thinking really about the friends that I've lost mm. in the past, you know, friends in the car scene and the cars, you know, the motorcycles, like we all know people that passed away doing what they do. And, yeah. and when you think about that, especially on social media nowadays, I mean, I lost a couple friends this year from this and, and dude, it's like, how would I have been remembered if I would have passed mm. away tonight? Like, how would I have been remembered? And I really started thinking about that because I never really gave that much thought. And I, and I, and I said, well, I think, most people would have said Tony was a nice guy and had some cool cars, man. I mean, he's going to be missed. Yeah. And, and you know, and for most people like that sounds cool, but to me that sounds really fucking shallow. And it also yeah. shows that the potential is no, not, I'm not doing things to create an impact in this world. If I'm mm -hmm. only going to be remembered as being a nice guy with cool cars, I am not fucking doing what I should be doing to impact this world because that is so far beneath my potential. And then I said, well, dude, I've got this incredible story that I need to be sharing because people are always asking me for advice but I'm too much of a bitch to stand in front of the camera, too much of a coward to stand on the stage. I just had these insecurities. Like nobody likes how they look. Nobody likes how they sound. Like it's you true. get ridiculed. <laughs> I, had, I had bullies growing up. I yeah. mean, yeah, it, it's like the more that you put yourself out there, the more critics appear. And I just, I just, I had a very comfortable life, highly successful. I'd be like, why do I want to go like make myself feel fucking uncomfortable mm. and go do that? So, but then here I am like arguing with myself about this lack of impact that I'm creating <laughs> in this world. So at some point I was like, I literally could have died tonight. And, I, yeah. and then for the next week I'm thinking of like, you know, how do I make more impact in this world? I don't want to mm. be remembered as just a nice guy that had cool yeah. cars. So I really started thinking about that. And it's like, you know what, this, this job thing is not, it's not doing it. This job is the comfortable thing. It's keeping me from doing what I really want to do. And although I've owned other businesses and I still own an online wheel retail company that I've had 12 years, I, I said, that's not serving my purpose. It's, it's a way to create income. Yeah. But I need to do more things that are going to create impact and help other people. That's what I like to do. I'm a teacher. I'm a mentor. Yeah. I love to help people. It's like, I need to be doing that more. The only people who have benefited from that in my entire lives were my close friends or people I worked with that are, yep. or people that were on my team at work. Cause I've always mentored people up. I've always helped people. I've, I've still got friends that I worked with 20 years ago that still call me for, you know, career advice and relationship yeah. advice. So I've always willingly stepped into those roles, but I wasn't doing this with the world. I wasn't mm. willing to broadcast that. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to write this book that's been in my mind for the last five years, and I'm going to become a better speaker because I was terrible at it. I was very monotone, low, low emotion, and just I had the messages, but I just didn't know how to convey those properly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, other people have had this problem. What do they do to solve this? So man, go fire a, a speaking coach or go join Toastmasters, go, go practice, do videos. I was like, fuck. It's like, that is very uncomfortable, <laughs> it is just but, so but, uncomfortable. But, it's the, but it's the only answer, dude. It is it's the only answer. And so I said, okay, then I'm just going to make myself really fucking uncomfortable because at some point I realized that 
my purpose and my story are more important than my fear of sharing it. Mm. And I was going to sacrifice the criticism and worrying about putting myself out there and being vulnerable to impact millions of people. And, I, and I'll tell you, I used to say thousands of people. I yeah. used to say like, I'm going to positively impact thousands of people. And I would say that with conviction and certainty, but dude, I sold over a thousand copies of my book the first week. So there was your thousands, right? There. There's my thousands. Yep. So I couldn't use that anymore. So I was like, okay, yeah. so, and then I said, well, okay, millions. <laughs> and and yeah. I said, okay. So I was like, it sounds a little you know, far fetched, but again, if you don't make these big dreams, they don't mm. happen. So I, yeah. so I, it took me about a week to like kind of start to, to even accept that even the book title, dude, like side hustle millionaire, like, that's a whole story on its own. I can show you, but it's like, I had to step into this because that was my story. Yeah. And now I convict, you know, I can say it with convictions. I'm like, my purpose is to impact the generational legacy of millions of people. Mm. And the best way I'm going to serve this world is by teaching confidence and business skills, two things I have mm. utmost pop, you know, passion yeah. for. So I will say that on a stage, I'll say that in front of thousands of people. Now it's because I've stepped into my role, my, my purpose in life. I mean, it's, it's so crazy how once you start to actually own that, and even if you're not doing it yet, that's the thing I see a lot of people, and, 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 and I still get in that zone every now and then because, you know, this, the thing for, for me has been to uncover that through, through the transitions, but you watch when, when people are just like, I'm going to impact people, you know, and they end with a high note yep. question yep. instead of saying, this is what I'm going to do. So I share this story. I shared it with somebody else in a podcast and my, my buddy who knows the story will listen to it. And he, for the longest time, he was saying, I own a photography business, right? And he's mm. a passionate photographer. It's what he uses for recovery. Um, he's a military vet as well. Instead of saying, I am a photographer. I own a photography business. Mm. But instead of, I'm going to impact lives of people by being a photographer, which to some people will be like, oh, everybody's a photographer. Well, cool, whatever. But he is. This is his, what he steps into and what he does for it. I'm going to help myself by helping other people by taking wonderful pictures and telling stories. But it wasn't until he really owned that that he started really making the progress. Right? And even if he wasn't making it right now, he wasn't impacting the, the millions of people or whatever his number is. I can't remember. But I remember having this conversation on a drive back from, um, from Corpus a few weeks ago with him. And he said, it wasn't until I actually started to say that, even if I wasn't doing it, that it, I didn't, I, that I then owned it. And so it's really interesting that you said that, that you all of a sudden said, you know, okay, I'm going to impact that first thousands and then you hit it. So you even said it before it happened. Yeah. But I think again, a lot of people, one, and I've been guilty of this myself is like before is like, I need to the gratification. Now I need the proof now before I, you know, before I go do X, Y, and Z, I need to fulfill this, you know, and it just seems such a, a waste because that is just the, it's going to be a repetitive motion because you're never going to hit it. Right. Instead of saying, this is what I'm going to hit, you know, not people, I need to people, yeah. dude, people spend too much time talking about what they did rather than what they're going to do. And mm. when you just talk about what you did and you think yeah. you peaked, yeah, like that's going to create the, the artificial glass ceiling for it you is. because you, you think that your accomplishments who Man. your accomplishments are your history, but they're not what your, your trajectory's at. You know, it's like, so call your shots, man. Like yeah. I'll tell you when I wrote that book, I said, well, if I'm going to write a book, it's going to be a number one bestseller mm. and people and people laughed. Yeah. People laughed and dude, I put my True. vision board out. Like I posted it in my group, like on January one before yeah. my book came out, it came out in May. So I put my vision board out there and it had Amazon number one bestseller logo, that gold crest right in the middle. Yeah. And then there's like a TEDx stage. So it, my vision board's all about like the entire future, not just like the next year. But yeah. So people were like, what is that? What is that? Amazon number one on there? It's like my book's going to be a number one bestseller, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, dude," because only you know, like you know, less than one percent ever right. do that. You know, millions of books come out per year, and less than one percent ever hit that. It's like okay, it's like, but here's the thing that you don't understand: other people have done it. Yeah, there's other people willing to share how yeah. they did it. It's not luck; it's strategy. You have to write obviously a book that people want, but that's again, that's a strategy. You have to do the marketing again; that's a strategy. So if I can go find people that can teach me how to do that and ask them how to do that, that's what I'm going to do because I'm going to make the best fucking book I can write. And so that's what I did. And so I had to call my shots. And most people that you put that out there, they're like, oh, whatever, dude. This, yeah. First of all, they were laughing because like this guy's going to write a book. Like who's he think <laughs> he is? Like, you know, you got critics that people have known you and they, they think you're just some car guy and like, oh, you're going to write a book, you know, and because they're making fun of shit that they don't have the courage to do themselves. Yeah. That's the thing. But that's... I did that. I called the shots and then it hit number one bestseller in nine hours. Mm, man. Released, and in nine hours it hit number one. That is so amazing. it's all, a, it's all a, 
it's a marketing strategy. It's all yeah. building the product, validating the test market, building the community. Like there's a lot of factors involved to do that. You don't just luck your way into it. No. But to me, I enjoy that, that there's a process that existed. So anything in life is like that. If you want to go make a million dollars a year, there's a lot of ways to do it. Yeah. But are you willing to put in and do the work? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that, you know, I find, I found myself and other people falling into is like, okay, what are the things that I'm, 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 I'm shooting for? And the biggest thing that you said, you know, you put a vision board out there and it wasn't just this, again, what, what is it? A lot of people uh, uh, overestimate what they can do in a year and then underestimate what they can do in 10 or a lifetime. And the thing is, it's just like, these are my big aims and this is where I'm going to go and aiming for a trajectory. Sometimes and I've seen the dichotomy between this and, and you've kind of hit on both. Yeah. You had this very tactical specific things, but then you also just have, this is the way I'm, I'm fucking going. I'm going this way and whatever gets attracted to me and goes, is going to come with. And I really like that. The two kind of sets on that mindset. I really love how people can express, yes, I can be very tactical and specific here, but I can also say this is the direction I'm just going to rocket myself to. And that's the way that I'm going to live my life. And the more people I see who adopt that kind of mentality are the ones that are the happiest that, that realize that the critics are going to be out there, but it doesn't matter because you're aligned to what you feel is your, the impact, the, the contribution, right? Your purpose, your, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that, that you can do that. And it seems that you are very focused on just making that impact with people and however that's done, you're just going to keep going. And if it, if the community fails, which it's not going to, we know that 365 driven is doing great, but if that doesn't work, you'll say, Hey, I'll just make another community. You already did. I mean, look, you, you made one that was successful and obviously you've, you've expressed, you've had some failures too, but you know, you, it seems you're just heading that direction, constantly creating community of people. And that is, you know, no matter what, that you're going to go that way. And then you also filter in strategies and tactics. Cause I think sometimes we get too tact ta uh, tactical mm -hmm. and not enough, you know, dreamer, which I think yeah. is very healthy, but it, you have this healthy uh, harmony between the two, which I, I it's, it's, it's a, good thing to hear because a lot of people get drowned in the tactics and then they blow off the dreamer or they're the opposite. They're the ultimate dreamer and then blow off the tactics. And so it seems that you have this healthy harmony between the two. Big dreamers change this world, man. Every, every, everything that's changed in this world is from big dreamers and big mm -hmm. thinkers. And one thing I always encourage my, my clients is to become a thought leader, not a thought responder. Mm. there's a lot of people out there just waiting for other people to, to make a thought and they're like, Oh, that's awesome. And then, you know, you support them for that, do that. Don't be a hater, but you need to also share your own thoughts. And most people are reluctant to do that. That's so true. And you see those, I make those like one or two sentence posts all the time <laughs> on, on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Well, though, here's, there's two reasons for that. So the one reason it's a, it's a great way to practice copywriting. Yeah. Because you're trying to make the most amount of impact in the fewest words. So I'll write it out. Sometimes I'll, I'll edit that sentence like three times before I push the send because I'm refining my copywriting skills. If I can get the hook down to minimal, minimal words, that's the idea because you want the most impact, the fewest words. And that little color box thing that you use on Facebook, yeah. it kind of limits you to a word character anyway. It so is. I try to rearrange words, use words that are a little bit more you know, graphic or provocative. I just try to get the most impact, yeah. smallest amount of words. And that's a, it's a, it's a game but that also teaches you how to write better hooks and better podcast titles, better book titles. If you, if you can start thinking in those small things that just make a quick bite, more people will get the message because that's a, that's a skill and an art in its own when you can write copy and write hooks like that. So people will always read these little short blurbs, but if you write a paragraph of shit, they're going to be like, Oh man, that's too much. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's something that I've, uh, I've started to, to learn from you and a couple of the people I follow with that, because it's just something that it does take time. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's the other thing is like when you're trying to make an impact, you also got to realize it's going to take time and to learn, to learn the skills too. So it's also the skills, but it's also the direction you want to go and constantly refining those things. Cause you can tell the difference between, uh, when I started looking at the community between what you were writing then and what you write now, and then you still have this good transition between the two is that never be, a, again, you said, you know, um, big dreamers change the world. And so when you have that big dream and how can I do that with words, how can I do that with speaking? How can I do that with my community is that you're always playing around with it, right? You're always being creative. And to anybody else who listens to this, it's like play with the creativity. I think, I, mean, I, I think the fact we just limit our creativity, even if it's not just critics, critics, if it's your own self doubt, if it's not even just picking up your phone, you know, how many times have you done this? I've got a million on here that you'll never see, right? You yeah. pick up your phone and you're like, just, just talk about a thing that's on your mind, on your heart or whatever else. Yeah. And then yeah. watch how that evolves. Right. 
and so it seems like you're constantly on this evolution like path to just to grow and you're not going to stop so if you can tell me because i know we only got a few minutes before our heart stops like what is that what is that like for you what have you seen uh in in doing that what how has that helped you along the the way to where you are now I think doing the videos, you know, you and I have done the, the video challenges. I appreciate that you yeah. jump into those. They're awesome because it. it gets yeah. people out of their comfort zone. But mm. the, the funny thing is, is after doing that for a month, it becomes your comfort zone. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like you're like, you're like, why was I ever scared of doing these? Exactly. It's, it's kind of weird. Even a week, like can create a shift within people. The thing is, is that you have to be willing to put your thoughts out there. Even if, if you think that they're polarizing, because here's the thing, a lot of times, especially when you're getting into the influence space and you're trying to become a thought leader. And a lot of times people play average, they play middle field. Mm. They, they just want to, they want to people, they want people to like them. And that's a yeah. human nature. We all want people to like us because thousands of years of evolution, if we got outcasted from the pack, we would basically lose our security our shelter our food, our mating, and we would die. So it's ingrained in our brain to try to fit in and like be liked but that doesn't serve us nowadays because we can be self-sufficient and do shit that we want to. So in order for you to attract your right audience, you have to speak the way that you think and mm. get away from just trying to be liked, just be you and quit playing like middle ground. And just, if you have things that you're passionate about, share those things. Yeah. And if you have polarizing things and, and the one thing is I want to tell you that is if, if 90% of your people are, are calling you an asshole and like you know, criticizing, then you're probably doing something wrong, right? You're, you're just being a <laughs> yeah. dick. Yeah. But if you're, if you only got like 10% or 1% really of, of critics or haters, that means you're doing something right. Because yeah. the thing is, is, unless you have critics, cause I know there's some self-righteous people out there are going to catch this show and they're gonna be like, well, Tony and Kyle, I don't, I don't have any critics. I'm a good guy or I'm All a right. good lady. And yeah. you know what, if you don't have critics, if you don't have haters, if you don't have naysayers, what it means is you're fucking obscure. And that means mm -hmm. that nobody is paying attention to you. It means you're not doing anything worth noticing. And that's the hard fucking truth. Cause if you see anybody out there, think of anybody, even yeah. Jesus Christ had fucking haters and critics and murderers. Oh, yeah. So you got to think about this. Even the people who are doing the most impactful things in this world have fucking haters. If you're not doing things worth noticing, you will never have critics. So use those as a guide to understand, like, I'm actually doing things worth noticing now because my message is pissing some people off, but you're not doing it antagonistically. You're actually no. doing it because you come from a place of love. So don't go out there and antagonize. Don't go no. out there and start fights. Don't go out there and be a dick. Yeah. But just share your true message and you're going yep. to attract your true audience. And until you mm. get that you're going to be missing out on so much because everybody out there is trying to be liked. They're never going to be loved. Yeah, man. That is so, uh, there's so much truth behind that. If you're true to who you are, right? That you get that introspective. This is who I am. This is what I believe in. And you pump that out. Not everybody's got to like it. Who cares? Because we're, we're not, we're not meant for everybody. And I found that the more that I, 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 I affirm myself and, and other people affirm themselves in that is that their circle expands but it just fills in with those like-minded people who either want to grow with you or want to support you or might be ahead of you. And if other people on the outside, well, they have their own community. So they might have their own community and they believe in what they believe in. And that's, that's cool. You know, I believe in being kind and whatever else other people believe in being, you know, uh, super, you know, uh, sheltered and whatever. If you have that community of super sheltered, you know, enclosed people, that's cool. You have yours, I have mine. And maybe we can share thoughts on that one day, but there's no, no reason to be contentious about it because you know, we are all living the life that, you know, we, if we're in that point where we intend to be. So this is where I intend to be. Why am I going to change? We can't change anybody else's intentions. We can't ever do yeah. that. And the only thing we can do is influence and get them to see another way. It doesn't mean they have to take it up. And if they choose not to take it up, cool. You know, I think, I think we get so much into this control aspect of other people too, especially when we're down in the shitter, right? Like when we're down the dumps, we want other people to come down with us, right? When we're down in this zone of whatever, you know, misery is what I love to call it is like, we want other people to attract to that. So and if they don't, then we'd start to really hate them. Oh, you're growing. You're doing these things. You're putting messages out or you're doing whatever, whatever it is you're doing. Um, those people start to really hate that. I've been that resentful guy before. I, I'll fully yeah. admit it. You know, I'm like, we, all, oh. we all have, yeah. we all have, you gain awareness, you catch yourself. Yeah. You're like, why is this serving me? It doesn't, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point, man. You just quit worrying about things that are beyond your control. That definitely includes all the other people. Unless, unless you got somebody tied up, you're, you're basically not controlling them. And Dude, as soon as you can get away from that or having an emotional response to people who are trying to trigger you, like 
Yeah. That's going to make you weak as well, because mm. again, you can't control them. The only thing you can control is your response. So you're going to feel these human emotions. That's normal. We're, we're animals. If you get angry, yep. you get emotional. But if you go throw that keyboard grenade and like engage in them or get in the political discussions, <laughs> like, dude, nobody changed their mind on the internet, especially. No. So no. just, just understand that you get to control how you respond. So yeah. if somebody's like calling you names and trying to trigger you and want to argue, but if you maintain respect, and kind of make them look like an imbecile on their own because yeah. they're like losing their composure and you're just actually being respectful and like, yeah. you know, responding like an adult. Then yep. you know what? Anybody that's going to come across that and reads that's going to laugh at that other person. <laughs> oh man, I just had that yesterday. And uh, somebody's like, doesn't this raise uh, something I said? And they're like, doesn't this raise a, you know, a bullshit flag or a red flag or whatever? I'm like, what about it? It's the way I believe, you know? Yep. Well, it's bullshit. Okay, it's bullshit. Hey, thank you for your thank you for that you know yeah we don't have to agree we don't have to prove people that we're right or they're wrong we just basically you get control that you may be wanting to punch them in the fucking face yeah but your response could be like hey man looks like you're going through some tough times i hope you find happiness you know come back around and maybe if you got any questions be happy to answer those and you know what that's even a better response when you think of it i love it Oh, and typically like sometimes the response is, well, what I've learned, you know, what I'm learning right now, I'm like, that's cool, man. Good. Learn more about it. Cause maybe it's going to validate the way you think. And if that's the way it works then cool, again, yeah. we might be in two different spheres. I don't have to be in your sphere, but again, it's, it's the way it works. So I love that, man. Quit worrying about other people. That's a good note to really end on, man. Like that really is, is like be, be yourself. And if other people are going to attack you, just keep, keep, not only just keep the high road, but the high road is just being true to you, man. Mm-hmm. That, that, and I love it because that's the way that I, I, I see you because some people I've, I've known that you maybe not met is like, oh, this Tony guy, you know him, right? I said, yes, I do. Well, he's very, uh, seems like, you know, he's, he's pushing people's buttons. I was like, no, he's being who he is. And if it pushes your button, it's your choice, right? And so sometimes I could get it, right? If you're not aware of how that, how that will react to you, sometimes I could see how people could see it that way with a lot of people, especially who are gaining more influence. But you just you keep on your path because you know the weight you want to make. And dude, I love it. So I'll tell you what, I end with... Um, we call your, you know, your, we call the stay in a fight moment, right? And this is the one thing, if you had anybody in front of you right now, anybody who's sitting there in resignation, anybody who is just, they feel out of it, right? They're not, they're not in the fight. They're, 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 they're just staying stagnant. What is one thing, what impact statement would you make to them to start to get them back into it? This always cues up my, my favorite word is consistency. So anybody that knows me, they just know I'm consistent. I'm going to go into this because a lot of times when we're doing something new, whether that's chasing a new fitness regimen or starting that new business or maybe a new relationship or just doing things like just putting something out there, calling your shots, doing something. What happens is most people lack consistency. And here's why. Consistency is a fundamental of anything that's you know related to success. We hear this as children: be consistent, work consistent, show up consistently, do these things. But the thing is, that we hear that so often in the course of our lives that we start to disregard that because we're starting to look for the shiny objects and what's the magic potion or the silver bullet that's going to mm-hmm. solve all my problems. The thing is, the fundamentals exist for a reason. They're the foundational things that we require. So really start to challenge yourself to go back and identify what are the fundamentals and what am I really doing? Because most people hear the word consistent and they don't even understand what that means. They just go, yeah, 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 Kyle, I got that. It's consistency. I got that. But the thing is, they don't do it. They don't exemplify that. So I'm going to give you guys my definition of consistency because that always relates to success. If I look back on anything I've ever achieved, it's about showing up, showing up every damn day, dude. It's so important. If you're building something, if you're becoming more fit, if you're getting the mindset, if you're working with coaches, like all the things that you do, you have to have this habit that forms from every single day of effort. And there's a lot of people out there. Most people in this world work a five day work week, dude. They're like 40 hours a week. That's their job. Here's the math. Back when we were in school, a failing grade was a 69. That's that's an F. (laughs) And a D is a 70. A D minus is a 70. If you're only putting in five out of seven days, the actual math comes out to a 71%. So you're barely fucking getting by. You're getting a fucking D minus in life and you're sitting there and you're wondering why you're not at where you want to be because you're operating at a 71%, dude. So I'm not Mm. telling you to go work seven days a week and do the the hustle and ground. We already talked about in the show, but the thing is if you're not where you want to be, Use those two extra days on that week and quit fucking living for the weekend and partying <laughs> with my friends and going yeah. to the lake. And like, if you're not where you want to be, those two days offer you a potential 30% potential increase in where you could be in your life. Shorten your time 30%. What would you like? 
we get a coupon of 30% off and a lot of things we're like, fuck yeah, but you won't go get that 30% back in your life and you're yeah. a B. So you got to be consistent. You got to show up every day. Yeah. You got to put in the work. You got to create value. Show if, if you're building your social media presence or podcast or whatever, make a post one a day, dude. If you can't spend five seconds to like just keep awareness, get in front of your audience, deliver them some value, show them some love, like then you don't deserve the results. Because here's the thing is most people get into something really hard and they go hard for about one or two months. You and I have both seen it, especially in like the, the groups that we kind of run around here in the local, like you meet people and they got a different business card every six months. Well, I'm doing this now, or I've there. got this new product now, or I'm doing yeah. this now. Because the thing is, is they're not getting the results. They want that instant gratification mm. because they think that they're entitled to that. Maybe they've built up a persona or a reputation and something else. And they're thinking they can make this lateral move and go be a public speaker yeah. and take that same accolades and go trans, you know, across. But the thing is that, so many people are unwilling to go back to zero to become the, the beginner at something to really master it. And that's the, that's again, they're not trading good for great. You got to be willing to step backwards sometimes and be humble to go do that. But the thing is that that first six months is going to really fucking lonely, whatever you're going to be doing. Cause when you first announce it, everybody's like golf clap. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> go Kyle. Yeah. And then you're going to feel like, you know, about a, a month later, you're going to be like, dude, nobody's liking my posts. I feel like nobody's, listening to my show. Oh, Nobody's man. hearing my stage. Nobody's watching my videos. I'm not seeing any comments. So fuck this, this ain't working anymore. But the thing is, is people watch in silence. Yeah. People watch you and observe in silence because we are become skeptics and we see that other people do this all the time. They're the flash in the pan. They go really hard. A month later, they fucking disappear because they're not getting the results. So realize that people are watching you. They're just not throwing those likes because they don't know if they can believe in you yet. They can't yeah. trust you yet. So for that six to 12 months, six months in, they'll start to throw a little like here and there. Hey man, he's, he's actually showing consistency. I'm, he's starting to gain my trust. Eight months in, they're going to start being like, dude, this is an awesome episode. This is an awesome thing that you're doing. This book is awesome. Like they're like, they're supporting you a year in, they're fucking telling their friends about you. They're showing up to yeah. your events. They're telling, you know, they're, they're basically, you start to, you don't gain the supporters until you can demonstrate that you show up every fucking day for a mm. year. But then if you don't do that, if you're not willing to do that, you don't deserve the audience. That's the hard truth. Man, that is like the most real thing that I, I feel it because I was the guy who like traded a business card for business card because I was trying to find, find a path. And then all of a sudden one, and then when you fall into the thing, you know, you love man, like this, like creating an audience connection and helping people out. I was doing that like vicariously because I was, I was doing it somewhere else. But the fact that you said consistency, and when I looked at this in this avenue, so many people, I got so many responses after a first episode, they're like, Kyle, this is you. Like, this is you. Now keep yeah. doing it. <laughs> Don't yeah. stop. You, you, got, you know, I told you, I got eight booked. So your number going out on the, I think you're five, five or six. Anyway, um, I got those already done. And then I'm focusing on getting the next eight and then the next eight and then the next eight until we're at a year, you know, and then where does that take us? You know, does it go into a program or anywhere? That's what I'm focusing on. Yeah. And again, you, like you said, it has to be the consistency. And I've been, the, I've been the quitter. I mean, it just happens because you, you feel so alone and you feel like it's not making any progress and you're not making any money, you know, and we go back to that comparison of the life we're living, you know, making $120,000 a year in oil oilfield. I could go back to that instead of saying, you know what, this is worth it because this is where I'm going to be. And it's actually going to do the thing that I want. Man, I love it. I love it like so much. That is the, that is, that is fundamentally correct about everything. Like you said, this is the fundamental is consistency. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, that statement. Anybody who listens to that, listen to it again, put it on repeat. You know, you're about an hour into the show uh, and listen to that over and over and over again be consistent listening to it. Cause I, I, you know, Tony, Tony brought the heat. Right. And so I really appreciate you coming on, Tony, man. I, I love the fact that you're, you give back to other people. You're not just like, Oh, I'm the guy you have to reach out to me that you give back and go on shows and you do those kinds of things. And it just shows the heart and the character that you have my brother. Thanks Kyle, man. If, if your listeners want to find me 365 driven.com, I've got a podcast, the book, yep. all that stuff's there. Very active on social. So man, thank you for having me on here, man. I can't wait to hang out again here in the local area. Yes, sir. All right, have a good one. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. We look forward to bringing you new content each and every week through our boots on the ground approach of real and relatable guests. But I'll tell you what, this show cannot carry on without your support. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Share it with your friends, share it with your family. Thanks everyone for listening. And I want to remind you to stay in the fight. <laughs>